until I came through rehab, really, okay. and, and started my recovery from addiction and everything else that I started to think, this is when I'm good. Like, as, as shit as I feel right now, Jesus, that's some good work, you know? So it was like a gift wrapped yeah. in shit. Welcome to Beyond the Beers, conversations with men that break the stereotype. We men love a good yarn, some banter, even better over a beer or 10. Sadly though, for many men, it never goes beyond that, if at all. Beyond the Beers is a place for men to actually go beneath the surface level chat, to learn, to listen, to laugh, and grow. I'm your host, Mike Campbell, author, men's coach, and founder of the School of Personal Mastery for Men. Let's break through stereotypes together. Let's go Beyond the Beers. So, Nick, Welcome to Beyond the Beers, buddy. Thanks, Mike. It's been my lifelong dream. I can't Absolutely. believe it's happening. Wow, that's, that's phenomenal. <laughs> so, mate, first of all, it is great to have you here. Uh, I am incredibly grateful because you have come here because you saw, you know, what I'm trying to do here yeah. uh, and what this is about. Obviously, I know you could, you could uh, resonate with it and we've chatted about it and so on. I think um, a lot of the guys in the audience got a lot from your talk earlier and, and nods and little moments of kind of I can relate to that and that kind of stuff. So now I'd like to go a little bit deeper. Okay. Or we'll tangent. We'll see where we go. So you shared an amazing uh, and very real story earlier. Um, I haven't read your book yet right reboot your thinking so yeah. i'm interested to know a little bit more about the book and what from you and your life and your story has made it into that a, a lot yeah you know um we talk a lot about the under the surface stuff and from my point of view the book is pretty much as under the surface as you can get the first mm -hmm. the first chapter is the hardest thing i've ever written and a lot of people have told me it's the hardest thing they've ever read because it's it's all there all the mm -hmm. trauma all the all the yuck, you know? Yep. Um, so the book is basically a 28-day guide, sort of, um, with a theme each day of things that I concentrate on to reboot my thinking when my thinking becomes unhelpful and destructive and yep. shit, which is quite often. So if I continue to just, and you know, the themes like resilience, um, fun, shame, pain, anger, mm -hmm. you know, good stuff and bad stuff, yep. that I can just concentrate on and be mindful of for a 24-hour period, because I only live in 24-hour periods these days, um, and then I go to the next one and, and so on. Um, mm -hmm. The book was a long time coming, but very quickly written, actually. Okay. Can um, you give us details on that? Context? Yeah. So what I is quickly the, written for you? I wrote the book in about two months. Well, about three months from me starting to write it to it being in my hands, yep. which was wow. um, incredible. And, uh, and it just flowed out of me, really. Yep. Having said that, and I mentioned this morning, too, that when my depression is at its worst, my creativity is at its best. Mm -hmm. And most of that book was written when I was under the blanket, like quite literally. Yep. Um, so it was just a sh sort of shit time to produce something actually <laughs> quite cathartic. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and now that, it's, now that it's kind of out there and, and people are buying it that I don't know, not just my family and friends, which is nice. Um, I'm const not constantly, but I'm occasionally, you know, so you see it in the wild, you know? Or, yep or some random person who I've got no connection with at all sends me a really nice message and it's, I find yeah. it quite, quite uh, empowering. Actually. Very nice. So then you just you know, shared, and you shared this earlier with us around your creativity as when your depression is at its you know, deepest, I yep. suppose. Yep. Uh, 
Was that something you always knew? Has it taken you a long time to be aware to that? How did you come to it? And when do you, you know, do you become aware to it in the moment? I, I think it's, you know, I, I try to speak in the eye as much as I can, right? Mm-hmm. I try not to generalise. But I feel like a lot of creatives do their, do their best work when they're probably not the best versions of themselves. And for me, I never put those two things together yep. until I sat down. Well, until I came through rehab, really. Okay. And, and started my recovery from addiction and everything else that I started to think, this is when I'm good. Like, as, as shit as I feel right now, Jesus, that's some good work, you know? So it was like a gift wrapped yeah. in shit, <laughs> really. So, <laughs> which is actually one of the chapters of the book. Uh, but yeah, like it, it really was that, you know, if you, don't, if you don't pick it up and have to unwrap all that crap, you'll never get yep. to the good stuff inside. Yeah, right. So what about now? How does that play out in your life? When you've got perhaps like a project or something on, I know you've mentioned you live day to day, right? Yes. Yeah, and like there's deadlines. a creative need or there's a detailed focus need. Do you just have to flow with, with you know, yep. what you come up against? Yep. I, I, I have deadlines like everyone does. Um, but part of, my, part of my mental illness being a gift to me is that I'm really good at deadlines. Yep. But where a normal person might have a deadline here and they just sort of work calmly towards it for a few weeks, like... I just do nothing <laughs> and then two hours before I'll do all the work and and so I because sometimes I just can't do it and I can't do a really good job of it like the decks that I, I, I speak for a living the presentations that I have in my slides I, they're always done on the plane yeah on the way or you know in an Uber sometimes <laughs> from the airport like, um, but I never miss them yeah but I just because I can't rely on being creative 100% of the time yeah or not good anyway yep so when you get the windows you dive in there yep yeah and i tend to um you know i was talking to somebody else this morning about how they do really good work consistently for a long time and i i do that like if i'm if yep. i'm on a roll then i can like a few days writing the book were 24 hour days yeah so you're just playing what's in front of you essentially that's all i can do i'm creative now so i'm rolling with it yep that deadline might have to hold because i'm in this right now and and sometimes I just have to say, I can't do it today. Yep. I don't want to do it today. Yep. You know, I don't have the space for it. I don't have the capacity for it. I just want to, I just want to play something with my kids on the floor yep. today. So for those of us uh, here or watching that experience that, it might not be through any kind of mental illness, but I'm not feeling it today, right? You know, I know personally it, it can, but it's certainly used to a lot more um, create you know, maybe self-judgment and that kind of stuff, like, come on, uh, words like, this is bad, you need to be doing something else, right? So would you have any advice from your own perspective on how you approach that? Again, just speaking my my own context, I just, I just have to do what I can do at the time, and that is, like, I could create work all the time, I could create mm-hmm. things all the time, consistently, but it'd be consistently pretty mediocre. Yep. There'd be little spikes of greatness, but there'd be some pretty deep troughs as well. So I just have to, and I feel like I write that story for you as a supplier, I'm a supplier to you for for this, for instance, I get to write that story. So if if my story becomes enough that I'm a little bit unreliable, I'm a little bit flaky, I'll hit the deadline, but don't expect me to answer six calls a day, which I'm not saying to you, but I'm just (laughs) saying generally, you know what I mean? Like, and so you, you create that brand. Yeah. And, that's the beauty of 2017, is that we can actually create our own brands. I don't have to be my dad. 
Yeah. Or his mates. Or, you know, I don't have to... You know, I'm sitting... Fuck, I'm sitting here on a Saturday with a room full of dudes talking about our feelings and I've got thongs and a T-shirt and I'm just taking my, my expensive footwear off. <laughs> you know, like, I, I have created that brand. We yeah. can create our own brand. I just... Yeah. Thank God, you know. And so this is obviously something that you do in terms of marketing, right? Exterior. It's, it's branding, yeah. yeah it's so... And something that I talk about, you know, a lot in, in my coaching program, the School of Personal Mastery, is we teach people how to treat us, right? Which yeah. is essentially kind of what you're talking about there. So in and around some of the bigger moments in your life that you shared with us earlier around, you know, your uh, condition, uh, addiction, all that kind of stuff, how have you found the transition in and around the people in your life in that regard? About giving them... Yeah, so, you know, looking after you, honouring you, making sure that you're not trying to please either Mate, others, and this is how you can interact thing, with me. Hardest thing in the world yeah. is for humans, and I will generalise just for a moment, for humans not to be codependent, right? Not to be, um, I'll be what you want me to be, but fuck, you've got to be what I want you to, you to be too. Like, that's how that's how a yeah. relationship has to be. You, there can't be any flexibility in that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and or, or I feel like people always... Blokes less, I think, maybe, but people always put other people in front of them, even if it's just their feelings or their thoughts or their opinions mm -hmm. before mine. And I, and I, like, I sort of think about it as this pyramid, right? And, and people sort of say to me a lot, you know, you've got four little kids, you have, you have a wife, you have businesses, you, know, you must be fucking well down the list in this pyramid of love and attention and, and devotion. And that's not true. From yourself, you mean? Fr from me. Yeah. I'm the top. Yep. I have to be at the top. I spent 44 years not at the top, and that mm -hmm. didn't really serve me that well. So now I'm everything I think about doing, every decision I make in my life, my first consideration, even with my beautiful wife and beautiful children, my first consideration is, is this going to help me? Yep. Because if I'm not being the best version of myself at the top of that pyramid, I'm fuck all used to anyone underneath it. Mm. And, and everybody... In my opinion, everybody should be at the top of their own pyramid. Mm. You know, otherwise you get into this codependent thing where, oh, you know, he, he'll be all right. He, I, I tried to get him to do this. I'm trying to change her, whatever it might be. Yeah. Instead of just going, look after yourself. I had a co really hard conversation last week with a mate of mine whose who's mate, who I don't know, told him he, was, he wanted to kill himself. He felt suicidal. And my mate was like, I, I don't know what, what I do. You know, I want to go over there and I want to do this and I want to... I'm like, you want to save him? And, and he's like, yes. I'm like, that's not your fucking job. Like, your job is to be the best version of you. For when he comes out of that or not, and he says to my mate, I, I'm putting my hand up now, I need you. He wants to be the best... He wants you to be the best mm -hmm. version of yourself, not some yeah. destroyed emotional thing because he's invested so much time trying to fix and save someone. You know, that, yeah. the, best, the best quote about codependency that I've ever seen is um, it's like it's like asking somebody else how I feel <laughs> you know like yeah. how, how do I feel today you tell me how I'm going to reflect because I'll reflect your mood yeah, absolutely every day I'll do that unless I put myself at the top of the yeah. and and I'm glad you pointed that out because it's something I see a lot and, and I've certainly been there myself where we can need to please and look after others but very simply if we're not looking after ourselves we can't give our best others right and so and we kind of end up disrespecting the relationship that's actually going on there and if you don't put your own flag in the sand what the fuck is going to do it 
Like no one's going to give you permission. Yes. You know, like if you if you want to if you want to have next Thursday off and play golf, or go for a surf or lie in bed all day, nobody's going to say, oh, "You should do that." <laughs> Why don't you do that? I might do it too. You know, like, they don't, right? But you have to say, "I need to do this." Yeah. Absolutely. This is what I want. So. I don't know why it's so hard for us humans to say yeah. this is what I want. Mm. Like, but it is hard, right? And I think totally we can probably all relate to that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, right? Drawing a line in the sand, taking ownership of what you need in order to perform and be there for yourself and those people. And, and that are it starts. To you. I reckon it starts at really little things. Like so then, what about your children? Hmm. Have you seen a change in them over the last few years in terms of how they see you and converse with you and just interact? Tell you the biggest difference with my kids since I've gotten clean and present mm -hmm. for once. Like, like my kids have never seen me clean, two of them, until this moment. You know, so not using and not being shit. So the biggest thing from them and the two oldest ones especially, they 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 articulate what they want, and it's not I want a Barbie or I want or whatever. It's I want you to take me to the park and not bring your phone. You know, like, yeah. like well, I can't do that. Sorry, but we'll, we'll work around it. Uh, we'll, we'll find a workaround. But you know, or she'll, or my little bloke who's six loves reading, and he's like, I don't know where it comes from, but he's some sort of genius. Right? It must be from his mum. But he's he wants to read me things all the time. Yeah. But the rules are his rules are that while I'm reading you something, you you can't have your phone. My phone's a problem. I don't know whether you're starting to get that, but you know, but they know that if I'm not, if I'm not with them, I'm not, I'm not with them. Not with them. Yeah. Um, interesting. So that they have created boundaries. They've got very good boundaries. Um, Something and that we cannot do sometimes. Yeah. And they say they're told that they're loved all the time, yeah. to the point where they'll be like, "I know, Dad. You told me, you know." But but their ability to to hear that, you know, I, I never had that. Yeah. And I don't know how I would have reacted if I did have parents and family who said, I love you all the time. Yeah. Not that they, I, I wasn't neglected, they just, it's just not something they'd say, you know, it'd be gushy and weird if they did. But for my kids, it's not. Yeah. It's 100% natural to say, I love you, or I'm angry at you. Like to articulate a feeling as a child, mm -hmm. as a toddler, is crazy good. When they're, when they're like 16, 17, they'll be slaying it. You know, if they can articulate their feelings that much and be present as much yeah. as they can. So, I so you're obviously imparting something on them, right? Yeah. But So then are you able to recognize what's going on in you in terms of an emotion and experience it and express it if need be? I'm pretty ordinary at that. Yeah. My um, Better? Not really. I lack... I lack insight yeah. into my own mental state and any changes in my mental state, I, I'm not aware of. Yeah. I mentioned before when I was speaking that my wife often says, yeah. you know, is there a meeting you can go to today? Cause that, which is a subtitle of that is, you're annoying as fuck. And it's, she can see it start to be, you know? Yeah. I can't see that until I'm in the hole. Yeah. I've never been able to see it. And I'd, I'd love to, but I just... Yeah. I so cool so then we're kind of talking there about in the hole and obviously going downwards which is kind of what you said earlier but what about just other little things and not necessarily downwards joy happiness these no, I'm, everything i'm i love that 
but I'm, I just think I'm particularly, I'm not very insightful when it comes to my own stuff. Ironically, when somebody else that I know, a mate of mine is, is happening, something's happening for him, but he's not articulating for me, I know that. Yeah, okay. Like, you know, like yeah. I have a sense of... So then do you see stuff. that in your children? Is it, uh, those totally. are kind of questions you ask to facilitate them sharing totally. their stuff. Yeah. But then I can't, I can't turn them around. So, so. okay, so then for, for the parents in the room and for those watching, what do you Jesus, actually... I'm parenting advice. What do you actually say? No, you. What do you say to facilitate your children, do you think, to express how they're feeling? Um, yeah, really simple. I say to them, what happened? What's happening? Oh, mm -hmm. uh, um, he stole that and he hit me with the Lego thing or whatever. And, and the very f and I, now I'm married to a therapist, right? So caveat there. But the very first thing I say is, how, how does that make you feel? Because yeah. she says that to me constantly. It drives me crazy, you know, like, how does that make you feel? Like, she, she can't help it. It's a knee-jerk yeah. response, you know? But, but, and I say it to them and they'll be like, angry or disappointed or yep. sad or whatever. And I just, we just don't ask children how. So how just a simple feel. question. Oh, so yeah. simple. How did that make you feel? Yeah. Or, and then revisiting it, maybe if it's appropriate to do so the next day or whatever. And do you remember when he hit you on the head with that Lego thing? And you felt dot, dot, dot. No, I, I did. And in their head, in their face, you can see them say, yeah. you remembered that. You know, Do they ask you that? No, not so much yet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not so much yet. But they'll know. So when I went to rehab, my my kids, um, we told my kids that I was going to the hospital, which it is, to work on my feelings. It's pretty, it's true, right? Yep. But um, so now sometimes my seven-year-old will say. Maybe you need to go back to the feelings hospital, you know. If I, <laughs> I think, maybe you need to go to your fucking room, you know, like it's <laughs> whatever it is. But I, I, like, I feel like that's a really great thing if they can, yeah, cool. if that's they can say to me, "You're annoying me. You've made me sad. You've made me angry," you know. Um, I, and, I, and, I, and my kids go to a preschool where the teachers, I hear the teachers say all the time, "Gee, that made me sad." Well, that makes me sad if you won't pick that up or whatever. And it's such a, and you can see these kids really hurt by it. That last thing they want to do is make Miss Wendy sad. You know, like, so it's kind of emotional blackmail from their behalf, but we've integrated into our parenting as well. Yeah, but that is a good point, I think. And it's something when we can get into our own adult relationships um, and we can easily pass blame. You have made me feel, right? Yep. Versus ownership, which is I feel right now. Well, that's right? the other thing you say to our chosen. That, right? Yeah. To, to react to and respond yep. to and give meaning to what you've said or done or whatever. And the other thing we say to our kids is, nobody can make you feel anything. Mm. And I think that's something that adults should say to each other too. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I'm really, I, I was so angry that I went and got on and got fucked up or whatever. Well, hang on, whoa, whoa, that's, that's yeah. completely different things. Our, our conversation made you feel angry in yourself. I didn't make you angry. Yeah. And then you made those choices mm. after that. Absolutely. But yeah, I didn't, so I didn't make a conversation you use And I give meaning to that, right? Yeah. Which is ownership. And I think it's something James kind of dropped in earlier. And yeah. I know he's spoken about it as well. Um, yeah, I think that's nice true. Thing. I just don't think anyone can make me feel anything. Joy or, or pain. And, and in fact, if I, if I resent somebody 
which I have a lot of resentments still. I'm still trying to lose them and not pick them up. Yep. And so this is something in talking to some of the, the stuff you shared earlier in your past? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. No? Silly little general. things. Just silly little things. Okay. That I'll, you know, and if someone's annoying the shit out of me, nine times out of ten, when if I'm really honest and, and think rationally about that, I see something in them which I don't like in me. Mm-hmm. Like almost always, if I really get real and honest, yeah. the reason they shit me is because they're so much like me, or they show something which I really hate about myself. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing, that's the only caveat to that. No one can make you feel anything because I feel. Yeah, it's well, it's a mirror, right? Yeah. So when we judge others, it pays to turn the mirror on ourselves and yeah. say, "What am I rejecting in myself right now?" Particularly as a codependent person, which most yeah. of us are. So, okay, so speaking to resentment, you know, you shared some pretty heavy stuff earlier about um, things that went on in your past. Yep. So do you have resentment around that? How do you, how do you an adult, kind of come to terms with and move past some abuse and, and serious, you know, traumatic stuff when you were younger? Yeah, um, slowly, I think is the answer. I, um, yeah. I would love to say to you that I have forgiven the person who tortured me really for a few years as a child mm-hmm. who wasn't in my family by the way I would love to say I've forgiven him but I, if I see him in the street I'd love to hit him in the head with a cricket bat I just I can't get there and I and you know I've had therapists and, and my, my pretty much full-time therapist says to me you don't have to forgive him why would you forgive him like he's a monster and so I, I think we're fed this notion and I think it's a, I think it's a spirit, oh, not a spirituality, I think it's a religious based thing where you must forgive everyone. But some people don't deserve it. Some people will never deserve it. And for me, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, I should forgive someone if they just cut me off in traffic. That's the difference. Like the big stuff is hard to let go. So then just as a, because I, I know nothing of the details, but then have you ever thought about what might have happened to that person? What they might have been through in their life to get them to the point of being that person? The, the person who, who um, perpetrated the sexual abuse against me, I am 100% convinced that the same thing was happening to him at the same time. Mm-hmm. Just by the words he used with me, the way he spoke to me, um, you know, I mean, he was 15 and I was 13 when it started so no 15 year old has that kind of hate in them has that kind of vitriol you know he mm-hmm. so i'm i'm totally convinced that the same thing was happening to him yeah. and the person who was doing it to him I'm probably was happening yeah. or had happened to them before you know we we keep passing this shit on because we we don't get treated for it not treated we don't heal mm-hmm. from it oh um, as james, james said yeah we don't heal from it, so we just pass it on. We just but I think that's an important point, right? Everyone's got shit going on. And so, you know, in terms of forgiveness, even it's for your own soul and peace of mind, everyone has got shit going Look, on. Look, and I'll, right? I'll tell you something that's really hard for me to come to grips with, and, I, and people disagree with me still about this, but I reckon everybody is doing their best at any particular moment in time given the tools they have at their disposal mm. and given their life experience and given everything else. Yeah, but those are important points. Nobody sets out to do... Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, of course. You know, Hitler was doing his best, but he, yeah. 
you know, had some fucked up training. But um, like at that moment, nobody sets out to do less than their best mm. ever. Like even if you're really rubbish at something, you're still trying. You know, even if you uh, have a drug addiction and you, uh, you know, whatever, and, and you're being neglectful of your wife and you're being a shit dad and you're hopeless at work. Like when that was me, I was still doing my best. Mm. I just don't think we don't ever do less than it. So it's hard when someone really wrongs you or when you feel a real, when I feel a real great resentment against someone, mm-hmm. I have to meter that by saying, you know, they're doing their best. They're doing the very best they can in this moment and I want them to do more, but they just can't. Yeah. And that's when we start getting into empathy and the enemy of empathy, which is judgment, really. Oh, yeah. And a big old can of worms, which Mate, might be beyond I can be, this conversation. Oh, I can be judgy as anything, don't worry. Yeah. yeah. And it's not helpful to me. Yeah. It's the old, you know, drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah. Nice. And it isn't right yeah it's not it doesn't serve us and i think that's you know one of the big lessons i'm getting from you in this chat is you're really starting to understand and stamp your feet draw a line in the sand this is what i need to look after myself to serve me so i can then serve those four very important people in my life right which is what you should do one one slight thing that i'll that i'll add to that though is you talk about this is what i need Mm -hmm. and if we just talk about what we need all the time then we forget to ask someone what we want for what we want. Mm-hmm. And they can be minor, relatively minor things in life, like not wanting to take the garbage yeah. out. But that can then turn into being something that I need in the future, completely unrelated. But that, that judgment, that resentment will last and fester mm-hmm. if, if, if you don't actually, and it's not hers fault or anyone else in my life's fault if I'm not getting what I want. Yeah. That's my fault. Absolutely, yeah. Doing what serves you right and taking taking responsibility like for it. Creating a boundary, asking. Yeah. Demanding, even. You know, but we just go, oh, it's okay. Yeah, and so, you know, James also spoke about this a little bit earlier in terms of setting direction, right? And I'll speak about it a little bit soon as well. If we don't lead and set direction by asking, by setting boundaries, then we just float, we hand our power away. And all of a sudden, things like resentment and so on yeah. can come in, right? And then conversely, you can't give anyone permission to be better either. Mm. You know, I, 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 and we, we talk about this a lot, this giving of permission, you know? Yeah. And um, I just think the more, we, the more we as humans each stand up and say, this is my boundaries, this is what I want, this is what I need, and this is how I'm feeling, this is what happened to me, um, this is this is who I am, you know, this is really mm. beyond the surface who I am, then that gives permission to somebody else who's never said those things. And they might just say it to you quietly. Yeah. But even still, like it's up to all of us, regardless of whether you're a counselor or a thought leader or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Go first. Give permission and you I just think we'd be amazed if everybody amazed what you could see the change in people, you know? Absolutely. And that is what we're kind of here for. So, mate, I want to wrap that talk up there. Thank you so much for going welcome. a bit deeper. And to everyone, obviously, in the room, we're going to have a chance to go deeper again and ask some questions uh, of Nick and everyone um, later on. But, Mr. Nick Bowditch, thank you for going beyond the beers. Too easy, buddy. Thank you. Click on the link below and go to beyondthebeers.tv. There, you can sign in to watch the rest of the episodes for free, as well as all the episodes of the show. 
Otherwise, make sure you share this episode with at least one man you think will enjoy or benefit from it. Now go out into your own life and start having these more meaningful conversations. Ask for help. Ask a mate how he's really doing. Or if he just wants to have a real conversation and go beyond the beers.